0: Welcome to CTC and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. I'm Lynn Poindexter and you're watching the 3v4. As we approach the end of another school year, we are preparing to honor students who are graduating from either high school or college with a special video presentation. If you would like your graduate to be a part of this, we need your student's name, school they are graduating from, college with major fields of study, or career path they have chosen, one photo of them as a child, and one present day photo. We need this information by May 8th. You can submit these by email to michelle at mpassporters at The world we live in needs to hear now, more than ever, that God loves them. Our entire region is coming together for an exciting event to help spread that message. On Tuesday, May 2nd at 6.30 p.m., the Fair Hill Fairgrounds in Elkton will host the Franklin Graham God Loves You Tour. This free event will include a message of hope from Franklin Graham and music by the Newsboys and Marcos Witt. To learn more, visit GodLovesYouTour.com. No matter the storms that come and go in our lives, God is able to use those times to help us grow. All women are invited to a luncheon on Sunday, April 23rd, from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. in the Celebration Room at the Bear Campus. Come and enjoy finger sandwiches, cake, tea, laughs, and prayer. The theme is April Showers Bring May Flowers, learning to live in the tension between what God is doing in us and seeing it come to pass. To learn more or to sign up, contact Linda Haran at lhoran at ctcde.church. Thanks for being here today. You can find more information about all of our events by going to ctcde.church. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. As we worship together today, our prayer is that you'll be feeling encouraged and closer to God than ever. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. And now, let's get ready to worship.
1: Well, good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Can we stand together today? There's joy in the house of the Lord. Amen? I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. give the lord a shout of praise today god we are in your house we've come together to worship you in spirit and in truth we've come together to celebrate your resurrection as we do every week and lord we are going to shout your praise because you deserve to be worshiped and you deserve to be praised so we bring the purest form of praise that we have and god we just want to lay it before you because you are worthy worthy to receive glory and honor so we bring that today. Holy Spirit, we invite you in to move among us in the moments that we are together today. And whether we're here in the room or worshiping online, God, we thank you that your spirit is right here with us wherever we are. And we welcome that. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated.
2: Good morning. I hope that you are having a wonderful day. I woke up this morning and saw the rising of the beautiful, glorious sun and how it provided warmth and heat. And then I reflected, last week we celebrated the raising of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's something to give the Lord a hand clap of praise on for this, for what he does what he's doing and what he continues to do, and that is to provide his unfailing love and a home for us when we leave this earth. God is so good. Welcome, if you're in the room or if you're online. We're so glad that you're here. Each week, we always bring your attention to the card that says welcome on the front, and it also has our tagline, which is to love, serve, and engage. And on the back, I'm throwing things around. It says Connect. So you'll see that card at your table or at your chair. And if you're with us online this morning, you'll see that card. It's a button that says Connect. The importance about connecting is letting us know that you're here. But the other most important part about the Connect card is that you have the opportunity to write down prayer requests and praise reports. And we meet confidentially in groups throughout the week to pray over your concerns and to lift your praises to God. So if you're in the room, you'll see the card. And if you're online, you'll see the button. And there's also a prayer button, a request prayer button if you're online. We know that we just finished a series on prayer. So on your tables and at your chairs, you'll see a a bookmark that says, let's pray for one another. The series is finished, but not our need or our obligation to pray for our brothers and sisters. So please take the card, write names on the back of those that you'd like to remember in prayer, and then pray for them throughout the week. Also, on your table, you'll see the announcement card. And Lynn, thank you for the wonderful announcements this morning. Ladies, if you're coming and you have a hat, you can bring your finest hat, your funniest hat your most unusual hat, but please, your bucket hat if you want to be at the beach, but please bring a hat to the, to the women's luncheon next weekend. And um, as you leave the celebration room, if you're in the room, and if this is your first time here, please to the right you'll see a room that says, Welcome Center, stop in. Someone will meet you, greet you, offer you a small gift and speak with you. If you've been here for a long time now, there are resources that you can take advantage of in the Welcome Center. So please stop in, grab a pamphlet or a book or other information. We'd be happy to see you there. And if you're online and this this is your first time here, please click the New Here button and submit the information requested. And someone from Family Care Ministry will reach out to you during the week. So, you know, each week, we talk about one of our principles of giving. Stewardship in the life of a Christian is a very important thing. It says to God that we honor and value and trust you for providing all of our needs, and from what you give us, we give a portion back to you. On your table or at your chair, there is an envelope that you can give an offering back to God from all that he has given you. And if you're online, there is a button that you can click for giving also. So there, is also, there are also, excuse me, principles of giving that we have. And this week, our principle for giving is found in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. and it, Verses 9 and 10, excuse me. And it reads as this, and you'll see the words on the screens to the left. In the right. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. I'm going to ask that you stand now as we pray over the offering and as you leave, the connect card and the offering can go in the baskets at the back of the celebration room. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for raising us on this beautiful day to come into your house to lift our hands and worship you, Father. We ask that you move throughout this service by an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. And we ask, Lord, that now as we give back to you just a portion of what you have given to us, that that offering pressed down, shaken together, will become flowing over like your love for us. It's endless. It's, it has no depth. It has no width. You love us lavishly, and we love you, Lord. So please be with us, Father, throughout the pendency of this worship service and as we go about our week. And we'll be forever mindful, Lord, to give you all the glory, all the honor, And all the praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please remain standing as we continue in worship.
1: He wins every battle. He fights on our behalf. He is our champion. Now and forevermore.
3: I tried so hard to see it. It took me so long to believe it. That you choose someone like me to carry your victory. Perfection could never Take the broken things and raise them to glory. teaching me how to read
1: I lift my voice and shout every wall comes crashing down why because I have the authority that Jesus has given me so often we walk around thinking that we are just nothing and without God we are nothing but we have authority that God has given us to see things done in our lives and we sell ourselves short when we don't tap into that we don't allow God to move in us and move through us yeah he fights our battles there's joy in the house of the Lord because he fights on our behalf and he wins but he's given us authority and why does he have the authority to give us that because he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and ever will be thank you Lord Jesus Debbie's going to lead us.
4: In the darkness we were waiting Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law throne room and glory to a cradle in the dust Till that stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And,
3: and the, the dead, dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe, for the souls of all who come to the, the Father are restored, and the Church of Christ.
1: Praise forever to the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Not just because of the authority that He gives us, but because of the ways that He blesses us, the things that He does in our lives, the prayers that are answered, the, even the prayers that are yet unanswered. Because above all, we serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is no difference in Him, He never changes the same God who did miracles, the same God who opened the Red Sea, He's still alive. And He's alive in us today. I'm calling on the God of Jacob
3: Whose love endures through generations I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling. my God. I... Changing. You heard your children then. You hear your children now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You answered prayer. same God. You touch the lepers then. I feel your touch right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. Never changing. Oh, forever. We feel you now. You're the same God you're the same God yeah how we need you now yeah I'm calling on the Holy Spirit
1: Almighty river come and fill me Uh, let's pray that prayer together Holy Spirit come Come and fill me
3: again. Come and fill me. Come and fill me again.
1: Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
4: The Lord is speaking to somebody today. And He says, You've put down your sword. And you're letting the enemy walk all over you. You're letting the enemy pick up that sword and beat you up. Pick it up. Because you have the authority in the name of Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ alone, you have the authority to carry that sword into your battle and swing the daylights out of it pick up your sword and to somebody else there's somebody else that needs to hear that he is the same God he was there at the beginning he's been there through everything you have encountered and he is going to continue to be there you can trust him put your hand in his and trust him and know that he's God and He loves you. In Jesus'
1: name. Let's give thanks to the Lord for speaking to us today. Holy Spirit, we thank You for moving among us. And thank You for speaking to us today and reminding us. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's part of the armor of God that Paul talks about in the New Testament. And it's one of the pieces that we leave laying around most frequently. So as the Holy Spirit has encouraged us today, pick it up. Pick it up and use it against the enemy. I have the authority that Jesus has given me. And where that authority comes from is from His Word. Holy Spirit, we thank You. We pray, God, that, Lord, whether that Word is for somebody here in this room or whether it's for somebody worshiping online with us or watching online later on, We pray that you would confirm that word in their heart today. God, lead us by the power of your Holy Spirit to live the life that you've called us to live. Victorious, not in our own strength, but in the authority that you give to us. In your word, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to invite April to come. And uh, any of our kids who are going to Kids Church today, all of our kids, if you guys would come down. and. we will pray over you before you guys go. Father, we just thank you in the name of Jesus for the ways that you bless our church. And we thank you for children. And we thank you, God, for, uh, Lord, the joy that they are not only to us in our own families, but the, the joy that they are to us as a, as a family of God. So today, Lord, we pray for those teachers that are teaching and encouraging them. We pray your anointing would rest on them and that the students would open their hearts to the message of the Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. To step into a phone booth and do a quick change. Pastor uh, Roger and Carolyn are in uh, England for the next couple of weeks. And I just, okay, boy, I thought that was the wrong password the first time. I was like, I am not going to have any notes up here. So, uh, Pastor Roger asked me if I would uh, bring the message this week. And so, uh, we're going to continue our series called Raised to Live. Last week, we opened our series on Easter Sunday talking about setting our minds on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth. The things that are above are going to be permanent. The things that are on the earth that that take our attention away, those are going to be temporary. And guess what? There's always going to be stuff that's going to try to distract us from what God wants us to do and who he wants us to be. So last week we talked a little bit about, and I made a reference a moment ago, uh, to the armor of God. That was also a part of the, uh, the message from last week. put on the, the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the arrows uh, and the schemes of the enemy and set our hearts and our minds on things that are above. Not just looking at our feet as we plod along just one step after the other, but understanding that God has given us vision for the long view. And that we need to take all that in and set our minds on things that are above. This week we're talking about becoming dead to sin. Becoming dead to sin. And the title of the message this week is called Deathbed, which is exactly where our sin should be, right? So will you join me in uh, prayer this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to study it. And God, we just pray that as we open it up today, that you would speak to us in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Uh, We're in the book of Colossians, uh, chapter 3, for the most part in this uh, series. So last week we looked at uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, and this week we pick it up in uh, chapter 3, verse 5. And so I want to read you our text today. It's from the Message Bible, and uh, it says this, now all those things that that we talked about last week about setting our hearts on things above and uh, where God has placed us and so that in the life to come we can see him in his glory. And verse 5 continues and says, And that means killing off everything connected with this way of death. Sexual promiscuity, promiscuity, I always get that word wrong, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it, And grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. So I want you to notice this verse. It says, and that means killing off everything connected with this way of death. Because living in sin and living, being chained to sin, is a certain way to live in death. So we're going to talk in the next few minutes about being dead to sin Versus being dead in our sin. And dead in our sin is not where we want to be. And so I want to take just a few minutes and give you three things. These are not, this is not an exhaustive list. This is not the end-all, be-all to every single one of your problems. But I believe that there are small things that we can do on an incremental basis that we can develop habits that help us be able to put sin to death. And we have to make up our minds and make a plan to do it. So, three things. First of all, number one, when we encounter Jesus, we are empowered to live changed lives. Now, I'm talking about a real-life encounter with Jesus. I'm not talking about just seeing Him on the street, hey, how you doing? I'm talking about you come face-to-face with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one true living God, and you have an encounter with Him where He changes your heart. Now, let's take a prime example of what that might look like. And let's look at the woman at the well. Most of us know that story, right? Jesus was sitting at Jacob's well one day, and a Samaritan woman comes up. And the woman comes up, and Jesus says, Will you give me something to drink? And she says, Why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan, and you're a Jew. He said, Just give me something to drink. If you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink, and I would give you living water. And she said, How do you... Where do you propose to get this living water from? You don't even have anything to draw from. And he said, will you get me a drink? And when she said, you don't have anything to draw from, I believe she was saying. I'm not giving you a drink from my jar. Because you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. And you don't have anything to draw out with. So it was just really kind of confusing back and forth with. where Jesus was talking about living water and she's talking about and she asked him, she says, do you think you're better than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and who gave this well to us and who sat here and drank from it himself? And inside Jesus is probably going, "Uh, yeah, I I do actually. Um, Messiah here. But they just continue their conversation until he started to reveal to this woman everything that she'd ever done. And he said, go back and tell your husband and bring him over. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, yeah, I know. You've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. And she was amazed because she was having an encounter with the living God. She was having this encounter with Jesus and he told her everything she'd ever done. So she left and ran back into town to get people to come back to see Jesus. Not because she was bringing them to see some magic show. But because she had encountered, she had had an encounter with Jesus, and she knew people who needed that encounter. And I think today it's in line with what the Holy Spirit just spoke through Debbie a few minutes ago about picking up our sword. We live life to get by sometimes, and we're like, I don't, I don't want to interrupt somebody else's life by, you know, telling them what. And and maybe it's because we don't have a real enough encounter. With God to share with somebody else because when you have a real encounter with God, it's really something that's worth sharing with other people. Can I hear an amen? So here's the question. What does it mean to be born to be dead to our sin rather and and understand that we have to die to sin in order to be dead to our sin, because even David said in the Psalms in sin did my mother conceive me and this was not a reference to David being an illegitimate child. It means that when David was born, his mother was a sinner. Your mother was a sinner. My mother is a sinner. Sorry, my, I know my mom's watching. I'm sorry to disappoint you, Mom. You're a sinner. We're all sinners, and so that's how we are all born into sin. So we have to make this conscious choice to die to our sins. So how do we do that? How do we die to our sin versus being dead in our sin? Dying to sin, it, this, is, this is maybe one of the most, hopefully one of the most revolutionary things that will, because it was for me. Dying to sin means that we need to develop some new habits in our lives. And we all have habits. We all have things that we do on an everyday basis, don't we? When you woke up on the last work day that you went to work, what did you do? It was a similar pattern to before. You woke up, you got out of the bed, you checked Instagram. You got up, you made your lunch, you ate breakfast, you took a shower, maybe you read your Bible for a little bit. You got in your car, you drove to work. You were around the same people that you're around. You do similar tasks every single day. End of the day, you come home. Maybe you don't even remember driving home. But you get home and then there's your evening routine. You're making dinner. If you've got kids, you're, you're taking care of kids. You're running them here and there. And you, we do all these things and we get to bedtime and we fall into bed another day. And all of these things happen almost on automatic pilot. We don't even know. But they're habits that we have, that we things that we do every single day that we're not even aware of. So what other habits do we have in our lives that perpetuate us being dead in sin rather than having the, 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 op, the opportunity, rather, to die to sin? Now... I want you to hear this quote. It's going to be on the screen, but I want you to hear this. Our lives, our lives are the sum total of all the small decisions that we make. When you think about where you sit in this room today, your life, my life, is the sum total of thousands and thousands of small decisions that we make on an everyday basis. And some of those decisions are habits that we've created, things that we do over and over and over again. That put us in the position, in the situation, where we are now. When we encounter Jesus, we are empowered to live changed lives. Right? Can you say that with me? When we encounter Jesus, we are empowered to live changed lives. And again, I don't mean just to come up and shake hands with Jesus. I mean... A face-to-face encounter with the one true living God. So that's number one. When we encounter Jesus, we're empowered to live changed lives. Number two, dying to sin requires digging out the root of sin. Dying to sin requires digging out the root of sin. And so for the next couple of minutes, I want to talk about this idea of the difference between freedom from sin versus sin management because all of us kind of fall into one of those two categories. I heard this quote a couple of weeks ago as I was preparing for this. uh, Mark Batterson, he's a pastor in the Washington, D.C. area. You may be familiar with him. Uh, We've all heard the church definitions and and we know what scripture says about sin, missing the mark and and iniquity and uh, not doing the will of God and and all those kinds of things. But uh, sometimes I need Things in a little bit more practical language. And this really said it for me. And he said this in a sermon a couple of months ago. He said, sin is meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Now, let's think, for example, about one real simple uh, um, need that we have, basic need that we have, that we can either meet appropriately or inappropriately, and that is hunger. Okay, hunger is a real need, right? Everybody agree with me? When church is over today, we're all going to get in the car and try to beat the other churches to the restaurant and, you know, get in line first because we need to eat, right? Everybody needs to eat. Uh, When uh, the context of the sermon that uh, Mark Batterson was preaching, he was talking about Jesus being in the wilderness for 40 days and being tempted of the devil and fasting. Now, The scripture says about Jesus when he came out of the wilderness after this 40 days of fasting and after this 40 days of being tempted by the devil, it says something very surprising about Jesus. And I want you to hear this. It says he was hungry. Right. And I don't think it's very much of a leap to think that because he had been in the wilderness being beat over the head with temptation by Satan for the last 40 days without any food, he might also be tired. So Jesus is hungry and he's tired. Do you think Jesus might have gotten hangry? He was hungry and he was tired. Now, I know what hungry and tired looks like for Jesus because we're about to see it in the scripture in a minute. Let me just share with you what hungry and tired looks like for me. Thursday is a long day for me. I'm here early in the morning in the office and a series of meetings throughout the day, uh, getting ready for rehearsal. We do some video shooting for the weekend, and then I go into my rehearsal. It's from 7 to 9 p.m. By the time I get home, usually it's 9.30, 9.45 on Thursday night. And I am generally hungry, and I'm tired. And I don't necessarily feel like making myself a proper small meal or a small snack that kind of fits with the time of day that it is. So when I go to bed, I can sleep well. But instead, because I'm hungry and I'm tired, I will do something like eat an entire sleeve of Oreos. Right? Or a whole bag of Reese's peanut butter cups. I'm not kidding you. And my wife keeps saying, oh, you're fine. You'll just run it off. But how much more could... I have run off if I didn't have to keep running off sleeves of Oreos. Because that's a real need, but that's an inappropriate way to meet that need. Because that's not good for my body, it's not good for my health, it's not good for my rest, which is ultimately not good for, it's a chain of events. You know, we set ourselves up to uh, where we're not sleeping well and where we're not eating right, and we just feel like, we just feel lethargic and we feel awful. And so we continue that cycle of being hungry and tired and hungry and tired and hungry and tired. And so we meet needs that are real in inappropriate ways. So Jesus was hungry and he was tired when he came out of the wilderness. And so Satan said this to him in Luke chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Uh-huh. Boom. He thought he had him, Right? Because he's hungry and he's tired and he wants to eat. So what was Jesus' response? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And where it is written, it continues to say, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. Man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus could have, just like he turned water into wine later on at a wedding, he could have turned those stones into bread. But to what end? Just to prove to Satan that he was the son of God? I don't need to prove to you, Jesus must have thought. I know who I am. I know who I am. I don't have to prove it to you by meeting this need that I have, basic need in my life, in, a, in an inappropriate or illegitimate way. I know who I am. When our real needs are not met appropriately, we will find artificial ways to meet them. And I will let you make your own personal life application for that because we all struggle with something. We all struggle with sin. We all struggle to die to our sin. So I'll just repeat that one more time. When our real needs are not met in appropriate ways, we will find artificial ways to do that. And that's where this habit that we're going to talk about I'll just give you a clue. It's spending time with God, by the way. That's where that comes in. So now, we're talking about being free from sin versus sin management. Here's what sin management looks like. Sin management looks like trying to cut back on sinful activities to try to just kind of get by. And I'll give you an example of uh, something similar to this. Sin of, of this sin management. We In the front of our house, front of our porch and then around the side of our house, we have... We, since we, this garden has been the bane of my existence since we've been in this house because somebody who had the house before us planted this ground cover that if you like ground cover, it's awesome. But if you don't like ground cover and I don't like ground cover, I can't, I haven't been able to, everything I've tried to this point with that ground cover is just top kill. A couple of years ago, Kevin Sturgis loaned me his rototiller and so I took it and I, tilled up the soil and I went down as deep as I could and I pulled out every root I could find, planted some stuff in there, mulched it. It looked beautiful for about six weeks. And then I came home from work one day and there's this one sprout of the ground cover. And I'm like, no, no. So I just reached down and I pulled it out. And the next morning I went out and there's five more and come back from work that night and there's ten more. And, you know, so I'm trying to manage it. And so it just got to the point where, and I'll tell you where I am with it now because I still haven't figured out how to kill it. We have these hostas and some other things that grow up out of it. And so I just kind of make it look presentable. So when I'm out mowing the grass, I will just go through that stuff and just cut it down and miss all the plants just so I can manage. And that's what we do with sin in our lives sometimes. We manage it. So other people can't see it. We beautify it. We put something in front of it so that other people don't know what it is. Other people don't notice what's going on in our lives. And that's sin management. And there's no way that we could feel good about ourselves when we go to bed at night or look at ourselves in the mirror when we're living our lives in sin management mode. Because it doesn't work. Right? It does not work. There's this watershed moment in Scripture that I just love. Don't you love turning point moments? Romans chapter 6 talks about all these things that, that, that Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He's talking about sin, and he's talking about living a life uh, in Christ. And then he gets to this point, and it's the last verse in Romans 6.23. And here's how I kind of see it. I see here we have wages of sin, this is the window to pick up wages of sin, and this is the window to pick up the free gift of eternal life. So here I am, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you can't go to both pickup windows. You can't. They are, they are opposed to one another. So the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is the free gift of eternal life that he's given to all of us. And all we have to do is accept it. All we have to do is walk over and say, I'm here for my free gift. But it's not just a free gift. It's an encounter with the living God. So when we encounter God, when we encounter Jesus, rather, we are empowered to live changed lives. Number two. Dying to sin requires digging out the root. And number three, we die to sin by intentionally living in the light of Christ. Living in the light of Christ involves fellowship with Jesus and involves fellowship with other believers. Fellowship with Jesus, fellowship with other believers. We have to have both of them, right? Those of you that are watching online, no offense to you. If you worship every week online, God bless you. What my prayer is is that you have someone in your life that you share fellowship with that when you need someone to pray with you or someone to encourage you, that that person is there. We all need someone in our lives that we know that we can sit across a table from them over a sandwich or a cup of coffee and say anything to them, and it will not leave that place. Everybody needs that person. I have somebody in my life like that. I have a couple of people in my life like that doesn't matter. I can say anything about any subject. It doesn't change how they feel about me. It doesn't change their opinion of me. It only means that they are there to encourage me and support me and help me be accountable for the things that I do. Now, John, uh, the Apostle John, uh, when he wrote the book of First John, he was a little bit older in the ministry. He had been around a little bit longer. And so his writing is from a little bit different perspective. So in the book of First John, chapter 6, John has a couple of if we claim statements. And they are, if we claim, then, this is what happens. So I want to read you 1 John 1, 6 through 9. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim to have fellowship with Him but don't, then we're lying. If we claim to be without sin, we're lying. We're lying to ourselves. And I know what part of that is. Nobody can, find, nobody can ever find out about this part of my life because if they do, they wouldn't like me anymore. And no, your story, the things that you deal with, the things that you need someone to help you be accountable for, it's not a story for general consumption of everyone. But finding someone in your life that you trust, that you can say those things to, that you know it won't leave that room or it will not leave that conversation. And the only thing that that other person excuse me, will do in terms of talking about it is to talk to Jesus about it and pray for you on your behalf and ask you, hey, how are you doing? How's that going? We have fellowship one with another. We walk in the light as he is in the light. Let me tell you something. Nothing kills sin like a good, healthy dose of light. Just drag it out there where you can see it. Because God already knows it's there anyway, right? He already knows. There's no hiding it from Him. So if we're hiding it from somebody, we're trying to hide it from ourselves or trying to hide it from other people. And that doesn't do any good at all. Now, in order for these habits to take effect... In order for these habits to, I mean, you know, generally in terms of, you know, the statistics that it takes a certain number of days. I think it's 21 days or something like that to develop a habit. So it's not like you're going to go home this afternoon and say, I want to develop the habit of fellowship with God. And it's automatically going to start. You have to do it and you have to do it again. and You have to do it again and you have to do it again. And we can set goals all we want to for those kind of things to happen and those kind of things to turn around in our lives. But I didn't write down who this quote was from, but it's from the business world. And it is this, that goals don't determine success. Systems determine success. You can make all the goals you want to, but if you don't have a system to make those goals, to enact those goals and to see those goals put into into practice, into play, it doesn't matter. You can make the goals all day. But we need systems. Now, there's somebody from the Old Testament who had A real simple system. And it was Daniel. Daniel had this real simple system. And remember, I gave it away to you a few minutes ago that the habit is spending time with God every day. So three times a day, Daniel would go into his room and he would open up the windows and he would face Jerusalem just like the Lord had instructed him. And he would pray three times. He was not ashamed. He was not ashamed. Now, Daniel had. Uh, in the kingdom of King Darius, Daniel had kind of set him apart and was like a rising star. He had interpreted dreams. He had you know, done all these kinds of things for the king. And so the king had planned to, uh, well, we read it here in Daniel chapter, three, Daniel chapter 6, rather, verse 3. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. What in the world is a satrap? Well, satraps were people under the king who pretty much only had to report to the king, and they didn't really have to report to the king that often. They were set over different territories, and they could pretty much do what they wanted to. So there was really not many people above them. So when these guys got wind of the fact that Darius was going to set Daniel over the entire kingdom, then they had to put a plan into action. So what was it about Daniel that no one saw? It was his habit of daily prayer and fellowship with God. That's what set him apart over everyone else. He probably didn't have any more governmental knowledge than anybody else. But what set him apart is that he spent time with Jesus every single day. He had this habit of daily prayer and fellowship with God. And how many of you know that sometimes success breeds jealousy. So all of the king's men they got together. They had a meeting without the king. And they said, "We got to find some dirt on Daniel because this can't happen." But they couldn't find anything on him because he was just he was squeaky clean. And so they said, "Whatever it is that we do, it has to involve his God." So you may or may not know the story. I invite you to go back to Daniel chapter 6 and look at it. But they went to the king and said, oh, king, you're such a wonderful guy. Buttering him up. May the king be praised forever. We had this idea, Darius, that over the next 30 days, no one should worship or bow down to anyone, any other God except you. King was like, oh, I kind of like that. That feels really good to me. So let it be written. So let it be done. So he had put it into place. So Daniel heard about this. And guess what Daniel did? He went to his room and he was walking back and forth, wringing his hands. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? No, he didn't. Daniel went straight to his room and did what he always does. He opened the windows. He faced Jerusalem and he prayed and he spent time with Jesus. Well, when the guys got word of that, they took him before the king. And the king, when he heard about it, he was so upset because he loved Daniel. But all the government officials, they were like, I'm sorry, king, but you're the one who said this. He has to be thrown into the lion's den. Now, Daniel, you had to know, had faith in, in the first place to defy this order of the king because he spent time with Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to know about Daniel. Daniel did not all of a sudden develop great faith in the lion's den. Daniel's great faith was developed because of his daily habit of meeting with God. That's where his faith came from, and that's how he got through that situation. He wasn't tempted to give in. He wasn't tempted to worship the king. He wasn't tempted to do what the decree said. Because of his deep faith in God. Now, just one last example. Would you stand with me this morning? One last example. Can we stand together? If you want a good health... Now, we're talking about dying to sin, but we're also talking about dying to self. That's kind of the same thing. Now, if you want to get a good, healthy dose of dying to self, have children. Moms especially know this. You're running kids all over the place. You know, moms, being a mom is a great idea, but I had no idea that I was going to have to figure out what to feed these kids for dinner for the next 18 years. But putting the needs of children above your own needs, that's part of dying to self. And so putting a system in place where we put What God wants for us above what we want for us, because we've had an encounter with him, is how we develop this ability to die to sin. Today, whether you're worshiping here in the room or whether you're worshiping online, I want to invite you to make a place of prayer. We're not going to sing a song here at the end tonight or today, because I want you to have an opportunity to have an encounter with Jesus. Maybe you need to come down here to the altar and just kneel and pray and and encounter maybe maybe your relationship with God is somewhere far off well I want to tell you today that it's not him that moved it's us so I want to invite you as Chris is just playing in the and an attitude of worship and an attitude of prayer. I'll be here at the front if you want someone to talk to, to pray with. There'll be folks at the prayer stations if you need somebody to pray with. If you just want to come and kneel here and pour out your heart to God and encounter Him, if you don't have a relationship with God today, whether you're online or in this room, you can change that today. There are people who can lead you to that place today before you leave this building. So I want to encourage you to do that. Father, We pray that in the next few moments as we worship you and as we come and pray, that, God, you would help us to encounter you in a fresh way, in a new way. God, you would help us to go deeper with you in our walk and help us to rise above and help us to die to the sin in our lives and not just management. Help us manage it. Help us to be free from it once and for all. We pray in Jesus' name. This altar is open. Folks at the prayer station, we're not going to do another closing prayer. Uh, Whenever you need to go, you can go. If you want to kneel and pray where you are, you can do that. If you want to come uh, kneel here at the front and pray, you can do that. God bless you. Again, I'll be here to to talk if anybody wants to, and there are other folks that can talk to you. Uh, God bless you. Have a great day. Let's rise above and die to sin.